I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast and Ringer FC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am all right, thanks, man. How are you? Well, honestly... <laughs> You're not good, are you? <laughs> I'm not good. <laughs> <laughs> you know that brand, like, I can't believe it's not better. I feel like that, like, I can't believe it's not COVID. Like, I... Oh, I wow. I've got some kind of, like, flu and I'm, I'm shattered. Uh, it's oh, not mate. COVID. PCR oh, test negative came through customs it's like no checks no checks that I was vaccinated no and I'm like oh but I've got an, I've got like a vaccine thing they're like no we don't care I've got my PCR test they're like no we don't care I'm like what wow so it was pretending this thing's not here it's still out there it's like you doing the podcast with me <laughs> <laughs> listen everyone listen COVID is still out there so as Ryan would say hope give me that vaccine if you can get that boost if you can because it's still out there it's still it's very much still out there you covered the first bit of my admin, thanks. I know, but can I say as well, the absolute privilege of having a mother who's a doctor, because then they could just recommend not just like antibiotics, but also like, you know, like the sad thing is the pandemic has given me all the healthy living I should have been doing anyway. So like- Really? I've gone the other way. Vitamins, ginger, God, I'm like, garlic. I'm like, uh, what's his name? Lloyd Bridges from Airplane. That's, my, that's been me through the whole pandemic. Picked, <laughs> picked a bad week to give up this. Picked a bad week to give up this. <laughs> <laughs> all right so moose has covered my first bit of admin but i'm going to add to that we hope everyone's staying safe and well wherever you are in the world we know there's a lot going on and we hope that Too anyone much affected effect. by what is yeah. going on is okay and yeah. i know that sounds a bit redundant but we do genuinely mean it uh, right yourselves this week will be yourself and flo lloyd hughes joining ian wright that'll go up on the ringer fc feed on wednesday we may do the odd europa league podcast as well now that shit has got real Extremely real. Yeah. It got real on Thursday night. There were some amazing results in that. But yeah, we may may have to rejig the schedule, Musa. Who knows? <laughs> but other admin, I think that's everything. So today, we're going to focus mainly on the FA Cup. Mm. But there was so much stuff going on this weekend. Should we maybe start with a little quick roundup? A run through, yeah. There was so much um, important football on. Like, like I've, have, there, have there ever been so many derbies? 
in a, in a weekend. There were so many derbies, yeah. There were I mean, so many obviously derbies. Obviously, the Scottish Cup semi-final between Celtic and Rangers. Rangers and winning one, it in extra time. Two derbies. Yeah, there was like Edinburgh derby. I yep. think it was the first ever time there's been an Edinburgh derby in one semi-final and a Glasgow derby in the other. Really? It's wild, yeah, ever in the history of the Scottish Cup. Wow. It's That's unbelievable, cool isn't it? Unbelievable. Uh, hearts beating Hibs in the Edinburgh derby. All the goals came in the first 22 minutes and then Rangers beating Celtic in extra time. Yeah. Coming back. A Carl Starfell own goal in extra time after, yeah, like you say, being 1-0 down, Greg Taylor gave Celtic the lead. Scott Arfield equalising. What result for Rangers after the last derby, or last couple of derbies, right, that were... Yeah, not, I wouldn't call it exactly a power shift, but just like really good to remind them they're still in the mix. Uh, PSV beating Ajax in the Dutch Cup final. Uh, two Ajax goals ruled out for offside. There was lo- there were loads of offside rule ruled out goals this weekend. The, the, there were. Messi, <laughs> Messi had like 80% PSG of them. Marseille game, there, was, there were four of them. Um, but yeah, again, another comeback in this one. Ajax going 1-0 up with Ryan Gravenberg in the, in the first half. And then Eric Gutierrez equalising for PSV. Cody Gakpo. Great player. Every time, every time I watch Gakpo, Gakpo steps up. He was really on everyone's radar for a little bit, right? And then mm. the talk kind of went away a little bit. Maybe he's, he's, he's due a second wave after this. I mean, it's a shame actually, because he went, he went off injured actually, not long after. But. Ajax beat PSV, it was just 3-2 just a couple of weeks ago, a few mm. weeks ago. So this was very much revenge, but PSV just had greater intensity, it seemed, throughout. So yeah, someone also great stat was it Mario Goetz's first trophy since 2017. Wow. That man has been on an odyssey. He really has. You, you, yeah. you cannot talk about Mario Goetz without talking about his odyssey. Like you, you can't, can't personally. But then, this then is, again, this is a, this then is a again, you, can't, you have to talk, but I think anyone that scores a decisive goal in the lights that early is always going to be on an odyssey after that. Mm. You're always chasing that high. That's the, that's the challenge, isn't it? Like you shoot... You look at Kyrie Irving in basketball, right? After he made that shot, they clinched that title. He's kind of in an odyssey ever since. You're damned by your own greatness. It's a pretty weird thing for a footballer or an athlete. It happens to a lot of them. But anyway. Well, there was, a, there was a nice parallel, speaking of Mario Goetze, in the Dortmund-Wolfsburg game because Tom Rotter made his debut at 17. Oh, wow. And scored a goal on his debut. Dortmund beat Wolfsburg 6-1. Uh, what a confusing football team sometimes. It's, well, to be honest, two confusing football teams. You know, there's something about watching the Twitter account of a team when its club is being absolutely hammered and yeah. just reading the tweets. It's there's like something no about it. Like, I'm just the Twitter admin. I'm not making the decisions. I'm yeah. Just, oh, it's, it just, it's heartbreaking. You just see it. Oh, one nil, two nil, three nil. Oh, then you see like the emoji and it's like, oh my God, this is devastating. Mm. It's a whole, yeah. it's an artistic subgenre. It's a subgenre actually. Yeah, Dortmund were 5-0 up at halftime against Wolfsburg. Axel Witzel, Mamola Kanji, Emre Chan, and Erling Haaland with the goals in the first half. Erling Haaland got a second in the, in the second half. And Baku got a goal back for Wolfsburg with 10 minutes to go. Uh, I wouldn't even say it was a consolation goal. There are some goals that are just non-consolation goals, even though they're technically consolation goals. Yeah, like absolutely. A subgenre of just not even we wanted to score this because we just were so sad. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, mm, Dortmund beat Wolfsburg 6-1 and the XG was 2.82 to 1.57 so strange 
I'm trying to phrase this in a nice way. I think Castiles could have done better on quite a few of these. His fault mob rating was two. <gasps> that is that's not great. That's not great, but there was a couple like the Emre Chan one, for example, where he just he knew that he really should have done better with that. So I wouldn't say, I mean, I mean, the 6-1 does obviously flatter Dortmund, but they were really good and they deserve to win. Dare I say this was a weekend when a couple of goalkeepers kind of went through it. Yeah, I'm going to, we're going to, I've got a theory about Wembley. I'll tell you about it. I'll tell you. Ooh, got no zero data to back it up, so. Oh my God, the best kind of hot take. <laughs> uh, Hertha got a 1-0 win over Augsburg away, which is very handy for them. It climbed, Huge, yeah. it climbed out of the relegation zone. And uh, Augsburg are only three points ahead of Hertha, so mm. they're, and they're only four points clear of the relegation playoff spot. So it was a good win. Yeah, relegation Hertha. derby. Kind yeah. of a yeah, kind of a six pointer. Freiburg bounced back, beat Bochum three nil. Uh, Mainz and Stuttgart drew nil nil. Köln beat Gladbach in the derby, and were three 0 up after thirty four minutes. There was a great piece of commentary on this in the zone. It's like Köln uh, was it basically Köln's having a party at Borussia Park. Oh my gosh. And that was just not the kind of commentary you want to hear in a derby. It is not. It's not at all. Not as a Borussia fan. Yeah. On Sunday in the Bundesliga, Bayern beat Armini Bielefeld 3-0. And Union beat Eintracht Frankfurt 2-0, which put a bit of an end to an amazing week for Eintracht, who obviously had that unbelievable game against Barcelona at Camp Nou and took, like, what, 25,000 with them? <laughs> 30,000 yeah, 30, people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eintracht through to the semi-final of the Europa League, as are RB Leipzig, who also beat Leverkusen on Sunday so and I, Rangers for that matter and Rangers yeah yeah actually uh, so before I forget end, on, on, yeah. Shard, sad end to a good week for Eintracht but you know having said that there are not very many places less hospitable to go mm. after exerting that much energy than Union also Eintracht were missing Kevin Trapp with injury and they're kind of in this mid-table no man's land really at the mm. moment they're not they're not pushing for European they're eight points behind the European spots they're not going to go down, so they may as well just put all of their eggs in the Europa League basket. That's a nice little Easter thing for you. <laughs> there's a funny thing with there's Glasner though. Um, tactically, is so so smart mm. at uh, you know. It was funny because I was talking to someone who before he got hired at Wolfsburg, they saw him in a preseason game and they were absolutely going wild about it. It was just a preseason game, but it was a preview of what he could offer. Mm. And I think the Europa League has been really good because it's allowed him to kind of take Eintracht out of the league grind and just take it out of context and just be like, okay, like forget the league for now. Let's just work on how I want you to actually play. It's almost been like a sort of a sketchboard. And I mean, the results have been pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, they had that really ropey start to the season, but in the Europa League, they've been, they've been brilliant. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's just their, that's their focus now. We have for to sure. focus yeah. on that. Let's go to France quickly. Yes. The big game in France. Well, PSG are now 15 points clear at the top of Liga. They beat Marseille 2-1 at the Parc de Prince on Sunday night. Four disallowed goals for offside in this game. Two of which are messes. You notice something about Neymar though. Chatty Neymar. Yeah, Neymar talks a lot to officials. He's just like always in the... There was one point, it went on for about like two, three minutes and he was just going at them and it, and it was like petulant. And I was like, are you not going to book him for this? Or like... <laughs> and I think it's almost like they've kind of... Um, it's like an acquired immunity where they're just like, ah, oh, Neymar's talking again. And then he kind of like tried a bit of a scrap with Grinduzzi and then actually realised how big Grinduzzi actually was and was like, no, I don't really fancy that. But yeah, this, this is weird. Like the two disallowed goals for, for Messi, it's kind of a metaphor for like Messi's 
PSG career. They were both really nice goals as well. <laughs> That's the thing. This is the thing. You know, like Messi's become a playmaker now. Like we've seen that. He's a playmaker now. Yeah. On the PSG. Is he, he's on he, course to break the league uh, assist record. Which is brilliant, but also like he should also be scoring a hat for. It's kind of a weird... I don't hate that he's not though, because he is contributing. He, he is, he is, he is. It's just a bit... I, I, I'm not for one second suggesting that there's been an overall success, that transfer, but... He is contributing. I just like watching Messi score goals as well. Though. Yeah, I me just, too. I, I do enjoy that. like Yeah, yeah, I do enjoy it. I can't lie. I miss that. Uh, William Saliba had a late equaliser ruled out for offside. Right, correctly so as well. But um, I don't mind. I think Marseille were good in this game. I think they they maybe would have been a little bit disappointed not to create more with the possession that they had. And yeah, they they had a couple of... Well, it's not really lucky because they were legit, legitimately offside. But oh, if Saliba holds that run ever so slightly right at the end. Oh my God, oh. don't get me started on frustrating offsides. I've seen more frustrating offsides in the last three years of watching football mm. than maybe in the previous 20. And it's just like, time your runs, people. Time your runs. Time your runs. Uh, but yeah. In life as in football. <laughs> there we go. Some wisdom for you. I mean, Marseille have still got that buffer in th- in second spot. They're, they're three points ahead of Rennes. This has been the story, though, of this season. Teams that should have got more of PSG, but didn't. How many games have we seen PSG and we were like, yeah, the other team should have got something, but they didn't. It's just, yeah, frustrating. It's not been it's not been a, a vintage Liga campaign. I think it's fair to say. Quick shout for Leon, who beat Bordeaux 6-1. Put a difficult week behind them yeah. after their exit on Thursday in the Europa League. Uh, let's go to Spain super quick. The main game, I think, from this, for me, Sevilla-Real Madrid on Sunday night. Uh, yeah, I thought you were going to say Levante-Granada. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, that's, that's I mean, it's maybe that's, the I mean, that's, that's, my, that's my personal favourite, but I don't talk about it. I don't like to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This is okay. So, um, Sevilla 2, Real Madrid 3. And has a goal ever been more sh- foreshadowed than a, a late Benzema winner? And it was, okay, it was, this game was wild. So, you had um, Sevilla taking a 2-0 lead and Rakitic with a really nice free kick, but Militao with quite an eccentric performance in the first half, I think it's fair to say. But yeah, Sevilla were really, really good in the first half, but there's, there's a strange thing that happened in this game, which is almost like, okay, I know that Madrid had a lot of intensity in the second half, but it felt like Sevilla retreated. And I'm not sure if that was tactical or psychological, but it was almost like Sevilla stopped playing their game. All the things that were working for them in the first half, actually, I have to say as well, uh, a big, a big uh, problem was that Martial got taken off. It was a foul by Camavinga, which looked like a clear, a clear yellow. Mm. He wasn't booked for it. That would have been a Camavinga red. The red didn't arrive. Martial was booked for his reaction and then taken off. Yeah, I thought Camavinga was very lucky there. He was. Some of the thrust and attack was lost at that point, but it wasn't like Martial was a primary forward for Sevilla. It wasn't like the most dangerous player. Madrid just did that. It was that they get that kind of... Um, it's the big game ethos, right? I think they just woke up mm. and started really, really playing. It's the first half they were really sluggish with the exception of Modric. And it's harsh to say it, but they, they look like good value for the win, actually, Ryan, mm. at the end. Like, by the time Benzema's goal arrived at the very end, the attacks were relentless. And Ancelotti did some slightly unusual and maybe brave things in this. Uh, he played Carvajal as a left back. He played Vasquez. I mean, Vasquez is a right back though, but we like, I like that, actually. And mm. those weren't the big challenges. The real challenge, actually, was what Militao was doing in the middle. And I suppose there's part of me that thinks Camavinga, Modric, like instead of Cruz, as opposed to alongside, but actually the three of them worked really quite well, I thought. I mean, Camavinga went off at half time and then Real Madrid got three second half goals. So how's that for <laughs> narrative? 
everyone everyone be like, why isn't Kamavinga starting? It's like, well, I mean. Carlo knows what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, Real Madrid also had a goal disallowed for a, a handball. I went to VAR. That was not, and that was not a handball. It was, yeah, it was, it was weird because like on the German commentary, they were just like, yeah, 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 handball, yeah. Fine. They're, they're, they're really odd about the, the way that they deal with VAR decisions, but I, I, I think it was probably a little bit I can harsh. see why they, I, I think it was harsh. It's, the, it's a funny one because watching the ref go and check it for VAR, mm. he looked at it again and again and I was like, ah, oh, like the, the more you look at it, VAR is a funny one, the more you look at it, the more doubtful it becomes. Mm. And then of course, when you're awarding something as big as a goal, you have to be unambiguous. So I get why he, yeah. Mm. Uh, quickly in Portugal, big game, Benfica beats Sporting 2-0 in Lisbon which was a, uh, in the Lisbon derby I had a friend at that game did you? Posting, yeah posting videos on Signal so, oh wow look at that Wow, atmosphere looked incredible is there anything else you want to do in the roundup? no I think we're pretty good should oh, we maybe do one, Premier League one, at the end? one more thing very very quickly to mention um, Bayern Wolfsburg and the Frau Bundesliga the semis Wolfsburg winning that Bayern a lot better than they were in the game before they've got players back from injury and illness Push Wolfsburg a lot closer, but ultimately the class just still told in the end. Uh, Jill Rod was outstanding in this, scored a great opener, edge of the box. Um, Saki Kumagai struggling in defence again. Um, mm. And Wolfsburg in the end running out. Comfortable 3-1 winners. Yeah, good game that, good game. And that concludes our magical mystery tour of Europe. And we are yes. going to return to the shores that we don't even live on currently. <laughs> yes. All right, man, shall we do some FA Cup stuff? Let's do it. The FA Cup semi-finals this weekend, Manchester City against Liverpool on Saturday at Wembley. Do you want to do this one first or do you want to do Chelsea Palace? I think we start with this one. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Klopp won't like this, but the quadruple is on. Will he not like it or does he secretly love it? Well, he did that amazing. Yeah, there was a TV thing recently where someone was just like, can you win the quadruple? And he just went, how many times have England, I don't know how many times an English club has won a quadruple, you know, so never. So probably not. No. <laughs> so funny. So funny. Should we begin at the beginning? Because the beginning We begin was, with the lineups. Let's begin with the lineups. Just because City made a lot of changes. And they made so many changes that you look at this and go, ah, maybe the FA Cup is not a priority for them. The argument being it's a deep enough squad that they should be able to win regardless who they turn out. And like, they didn't put out a bunch of clowns. You know, they started Foden, they started Bernardo Silva, Jesus Sterling. Like, these aren't clowns, right? It was just that it was more these players that necessarily have the chemistry that comes and playing together as a unit week in, week out. And also, like, I think what was interesting tactically was that Liverpool were going long a lot. I was like, ah, so this is the thing, right? We're going to go smash and grab. It reminded me of, do you remember that like uh, Champions League semi in 2013 where it was like Bayern against Barcelona Mm -hmm. and Barcelona playing like small ball, passing around and and Bayern were just like, we're just going to do rock and roll. We're going to like hit it high, pin you with the wingers and like go like direct. And it was basically just like, you know, Barcelona turned out to play lawn tennis and, and like uh, Bayern were playing rugby league. And that's how this kind of felt a little bit, like just with the, the directness of the approach. But Man City did that in the game last week where they went long and more direct, I think more than any other game this season. Mm. Really tried to play around Liverpool. 
Yes. It was just funny watching Liverpool returning the kind of air traffic control. Yeah. I like it. I, li- I really like to see, I like to see coaches outthinking each other. This is a bit like what we had last year when you had Tuchel and, and Guardiola going head to head in all those games. And in each game you could see Tuchel watching Guardiola and adjusting the next match. Mm. It felt like this was happening again. With the City lineup, though, I thought Nathan Ake was probably their most consistent player on the day. I thought he was actually pretty good. Or one of, let's say. No, that's fair. The only thing that I think maybe he deserves a bit of criticism for is the marking on the corner that Canate scored from. The opening. Having said that, everyone was left like, they don't look like. <laughs> when Canate scored, it was like, you know, like you when he liked the last day of Glastonbury Festival and everyone just leaves their tents behind. It's just the strewn. There were bodies. <laughs> Do you know what I thought? It's like, I like to think in my head that when Ibrahim Akinate goes up for like a corner like that and absolutely thunders a header in, mm. he just says his own name. <laughs> like a fighting call. <laughs> Three straight games he scored in now. Yes. Ibrahim yes. a goal machine, tour machine Akinate. But we knew. Yeah, what I this suppose was. he's French, though. We shouldn't. We, he he no longer plays in Germany, so we can't call him. We can still. We can still. We can say. We can still say it. He made his name there. It's fine. We can do it, dude. Hit this guy. Oh, my God, it's a serious footballer. It's a serious what a footballer. signing. As a backup centre half as well at the moment, currently, obviously because Joel Matip and Virgil Van Dijk have got a, a wonderful partnership. But my God, he's just there waiting to go. And we he's get so he's, good, and he's given. He's given Pep new problems to think about is that physicality is something else and even just watching him like even watching him like sort of mark players or like have the to and fro like with Foden and Foden just like <sighs> Foden like gently irritated with him going like this is going to be a long afternoon there was a couple of times where he was chasing Foden down and, and, and he dispossessed him or fouled him and nudged him aside and like this is going to be a problem he, he just it's- pulled Gabriel Jesus we just oh removed God. him. You know when you're in the supermarket and you don't want to yeah. take whatever it is at the very front, you want the one behind? Yes. Goes, I don't want this. It's like that, yeah. I want the one behind. Exactly. That's exactly what it was like. <laughs> so that, that was, that. actually, we need to mention, of course, the scoreline. So yeah, first of all, let's just, so Liverpool winning 3-2. I think people know the score. Yeah, that's cool. We have to mention no, it. Know, just, yeah, we're, we're terrible yeah. podcasters. We're terrible podcasters as well. We really are. We're, um, but Liverpool just soaring out to a 3-0 lead at half time and the best of Liverpool in this game, uh, obviously the header from Canate, Sadio Mane, this man has scored so many important goals in the last few months alone. What, like the penalty to win the AFCON, the penalty that took them through to the World Cup, mm. scored against City in, in the Premier League just recently, got two more today. I mean, he is just a huge... We know he's a huge game player. We know this is not new. It's just that the, like, the frequency of these performances or decisive goals feels like it's almost like accelerating, which is quite yeah. exciting. Um, yeah, I agree. I think he's, is, he really seems to have gone to like another level. Which is good because Mo Salah's kind of struggling. But he was already at, an, at a level and then he's yeah. gone to like another. Yeah, Mo Salah had that one right at the end that he I thought he should have done better with. German commentators even said they were like not as decisive a goal scorer these days. Mm. I mean, that's maybe a temporary blip because he's, you know, I, the post AFCON, like that's, he's, he's been through AFCON. That was a huge defeat. Do you want to talk about the rest of the goals? Because obviously Mane got the, the one on uh, Zach, Zach Steffen. Oh. I always, uh, do you know what? I always want to say Zach Steffen. 
and yeah, because he's American. Zach Steffen, he decided to just take his time. That was a bit. nightmarish moment. You know how like they usually use things about uh, to praise a player's performance at Wembley, and they'll be like, you know, he just had a stroll around the Wembley turf. Yeah, that's basically what Zach Steffen tried to do, but it was he like, did. no, 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 Zach, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. He your- forgot who was pressing, didn't he? He forgot who was pressing. Well, this is, right, so this is my theory. All of the goals came at the end The the keeper was facing the sun. And if you look at Wembley, there is such a gigantic contrast between when the sun is out, it is really, it seems to be extremely bright. Mm. And But so much of the pitch is in the shade. It's such a weird design. Keepers are used to playing in the sun. Mm. Like Liverpool didn't really do a huge amount in the second half when they no. were facing the shade. I mean, I can't really criticise, you know, Wembley for like having the shade where it is, but it's a good point, actually. It's a good point. Wembley with more poorly executed shade than Musa Gonga. <laughs> My shade is well executed. Listen, you know, what's interesting about um, this, this, sa- this shade and sun thing. It's a thing I've noticed with Wembley. You can have a winger basically playing like they're, you hit a cross-hill pass from the sun into like... It could go anywhere. I mean, to be honest, if, when, you, when your eyes are in the... When, you, when, you're, when the sun is directly in your face like that and you ping a ball to the... You might as well just... You know, it's like, I don't know. I don't know if it got there or not. <laughs> I, I genuinely don't know if it got there or not. Just vibes. Do you know who absolutely knew where his pass got to? Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yes, yes. He was- I mean, do you want to talk any more about this, the Stefan thing or is it just... It's so... It's like... Basic error. I should have done more. Tried to. Uh, yeah, and also it. like I'm always wary of like overwrecking a thing like that. Where yeah. yeah. Like, also yeah. though, a couple of people. Was, I saw a couple of people in the commentary complaining about that he should have saved the first one. No, the header no, was no. quite ferocious. No. He had no parts of that. Yeah, the criticism for the first goal I thought was a little bit harsh for Stefan. Yes. The second one, obviously. Yeah. Don't know what he's thinking there. To be honest, and the third was an excellent finish. The third one was. The goal that of the game. Outstanding. Outstanding. Yeah, yeah. Because it starts with Trent Alexander Arnold's half volley cross field ball. Mm. Is every game there's a pass that's like, okay, oh, this goodness. is good. Because, yeah. right. So there's, there's a thing in football that the easiest way to essentially hype your stock as a midfielder, I think, is just to play completely pointless switches. Yes. Everyone loves a switch for some reason. It's like they do, actually yeah. very, very, very basic for a central midfielder to do, or any footballer actually, just to switch to play. What Trent is doing is he's doing like, there's a point, Just, yeah, but there's, but there's a point to them. There's not always, that's the thing. You look at some of them, because I actually, I think Tony Kroos is more guilty of that because sometimes he hits switches, like, that just looks nice. <laughs> Pirlo is occasionally Ooh. guilty of the odd one. Yeah, because do you know what I think about it? Because sometimes it's not driven and it's not mm. timed, so it doesn't allow- clipped. The clipped yeah. switch. When you, when you have a switch, like, you know, like, like Tiago is hitting them, those ones are good because they hit them before the gaps close. Mm. So this goal, Switch from Trent. That unbelievable pass. And then, and then it comes to Thiago, edge of the box. And Thiago, do you know what I love about this? Oh my God. Thiago hits that chip, the diagonal chip to Sadio Mane in space. What I love about that chip is that chip is basically saying, you could take this down and go through on goal. Or you could hit it on volley. That chip was an invitation and Thiago knew what he was doing. He knew, he's like, I'm going to make this chip so tasty that Sadio is going to forget all his good graces and he'll just have to volley it. He'll have to volley it because it's so tasty. And Sadio just took that bait. He took that tasty <laughs> volley bait. <laughs> just like seeing, seeing a fish jump out of the ocean and catch another fish in its mouth. 
Exactly. Pour down again. In oh my slow goodness. motion. Oh, it's so tasty. It's like a toffee apple being thrown up into the. Oh, I just have to just bite right out of that. Um, oh god, that sounds painful. The toffee. Apples. I have a thing about toffee apples, man. They they make me. I don't know. <laughs> Cracked your teeth. <laughs> the sweet goods equivalent of running nails down a chalkboard. <laughs> Excellent. A point of discontent, but a glorious finish. Caught it with oh, the outside. What a goal. Goal bit of game. slice. Bit of slice, isn't it? Cut mm. across it, bottom corner, and Stefan was not to blame for that. So that was 3-0. That was basically game done. I expected Pet to make more changes. Yeah, but when it was 3-0, maybe he was just like, let the team who's out there solve the problems because I'm trying to hold these lot back. Like the league is obviously really, really important to Pep at this point, right? Mm. And the Champions League too. And I guess the argument is the players out on the pitch are good enough to get the job done. Do you not think it was the Pep just being like, you got us into this mess. You get us out of this mess. <laughs> Partly that, yeah, partly. Do you think partly that's that. what it is? Could have been, could have been, yeah. Do you know, like that halftime team talk, I, th- I imagine, would have been like, you know, a bit from Amazon, the... All or nothing. All or nothing, Man City. Sit down! Fucking sit down! Shut up, don't say anything. It's just Pep coming in and being like, no! Is it really that good, the all or nothing? So a lot of people have been recommending that to me, actually. <laughs> the Pep one's funny. My favourite bit about the Man City all or nothing is just... Pep and Arteta staying in the video room like the after the video session everyone's gone and it's just like Pep's just like no 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 I need to get this other bit of information out and I need to tell Mikel right now <laughs> oh my god I got so much information in my head I can't get all this information out Mikel Mikel come here come here <laughs> he come sounds here. exhausting <laughs> he, he sounds exhausting <laughs> but uh, Grealish got a really nice finish set up by Jesus uh, start of the second half interesting that Liverpool did it last week and Man City did it this week Yes, actually. Good point. Good point. And maybe that's why the subs didn't come because of the goal. Because you're thinking, mm. all right, yeah, we've got a response straight away. There's two goals in it. Let's see how we go. Grealish also put through Jesus, who should have scored, I think. Mm. Um, good save um, by Alisson. But a kind of lack of conviction. It was, Jesus doesn't seem to enjoy one-on-ones. Yeah. I look at some strikers when they go through on goal. And this is a harsh comparison, but you know, you look at the Brazilian Ronaldo. Brazilian Ronaldo enjoyed one-on-ones. I loved them. And I looked at that and thought, that's the kind of one where you, a striker might, that loves a one-on-one might, might go round the keeper or might draw them closer or might hammer it high and hard or whatever. But like the, this kind of finish of like the side-footed bottom corner, it was, it was done without conviction. So I can see, given the chances that City created, I can see why Pep might not have made changes because he's like, actually, we're generating opportunities to make a difference here. City obviously getting a second one back with Bernardo Silva. I thought Grealish's goal was really nice. I thought Silva's yeah, goal finish, was, yeah. was good as well. It was all kind of on for those last few minutes. Very much so, yeah. But yeah, Liverpool through to the final. Very exciting for them. It was the anniversary of the Hillsborough disaster on Friday. So there was a minute silence due to take place before this game which got interrupted quite heavily by some chanting from a section of the Man City fans. Michael Oliver actually cut the silence short because of that. And I wanted to just read out this tweet from a study listener, Chris Shoup Worrell, who said, odd feeling to be watching the team you support go 3-0 down by half time, yet have clocked out emotionally after, Chris's words, hundreds of City fans couldn't shut the fuck up during the Hillsborough Remembrance. I feel genuinely ashamed. How can you be so how can you be so blinkered, so nasty, so tribal, to lack such basic empathy? Also, in advance of the statements and apologies, Ari, they don't represent the club. They do, they did, they shame themselves and a wider footballing fan community and continue to do so. Wow. 
powerful words. I thought it would be interesting to see the take from a, from a City fan on that. I mean, there's no place for this in football, of course. There's no place for this kind of mockery or whatever. I don't get this. But this is the thing. It's one of, like I said, one of my favourite things about this rivalry is that it's, it's just football. Yeah, that was just really unnecessary. Yeah, it was bizarre. Cruel. It degrades the fan base as well, to be honest. It demeans the fan yeah. base. Yeah. So Liverpool through to the final. Chelsea beating Palace 2-0 at Wembley on Sunday in the second semi-final. I thought that this was pretty fair, to be honest. I thought so too. Yeah. Patrick Vieira did a really good job because for most of the game, he made Chelsea play the game he wanted them to play. He went from a back four to a to mirror Chelsea's formation, a 3-4-2-1. Uh, if there's any criticism at all of Vieira, and I don't like to criticise him too much because he's done an outstanding job at Palace, if there was maybe one slight criticism, it was bringing on Michael Elisa slightly too late because maybe he was not fit enough to start, but Elisa was the most dangerous player I felt when they played them most recently in the Premier League and they, they won 1-0 very late on. But Elisa was superb in that game. And I think there were certain moments where they had the opportunity to force the counter-attack, right? And they didn't have his passing and his weight of passing is absolutely essential. If you're going to play the way they were going to play, then you need to play on the break. And I think this is the thing. Eze is a supreme ball carrier. And I think the thing about Elisa is, Elisa kind of is excellent ball carrier, but his passing, right? And there's just a couple of times you saw Zaha could have been put through and the touch wasn't there once or twice. And I was just like, Elisa makes that pass. Mm. Elisa makes that pass. Now to Vieira's credit, they had a really good headed chance, I think just at the second half, um, early second half from a corner was it Kiate put it wide, I think, mm. where it was like, if they score that, then that's the game plan. Keep it tight, go a goal up and you're laughing. But credit to Chelsea here making those adjustments. Um, Kovacic got injured, so a change was forced on them, but bring on Loftus-Cheek. He's put in a couple of underrated performances this year. Yeah, yeah well, that, this week. I thought he was, yes. I, thought he, I, he, yeah. I thought he was good against Real Madrid, actually. I thought right. so. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. But there's an interesting comment that Tuchel made about understanding what he's capable of, not just on the training grounds. Mm. There's a confidence thing going on. So it's like Tuchel watches this guy in training and is like, yeah, in training you're outstanding, but on the pitch it needs to be something else. And I think it's a self-belief thing. And mm. I think, you know, Loftus-Cheek projects confidence, not, not arrogance, he projects confidence, but maybe he's not as confident as he looks. The loans and not locking down a regular spot might... Of course. He's potentially going to be someone who falls into Walcott's law. You know, he's 26 mm. now. So he's no longer a prospect. And before you know it, he's, gonna, he's like, for those who don't know Walcott's law, players who are prospects and all of a sudden they're 30. Um, but he really feels like he, I don't know. I just think he has all the, he has all the skill set. He yes. has the skill set to be an absolute elite midfielder. And like we mentioned the other day, instead of being a utility player, you know, a multi-instrumentalist, I think he can be he can play it in a multi in a in multiple different ways and can suit multiple different configurations. Like you say, sometimes those players who are, are the hardest to lock down a spot because they're kind of like it's like Sergio Roberto at Barcelona as a prime example. Like he ended up centre midfielder ended up playing right back for most of his career. But still yeah, gets but rolled out in central midfield sometimes. I'm glad you, know you mentioned mean? I'm glad you mentioned um Spain because it's all hindsight's what it is, but 
Oh, he basically has on, on loan yeah. on loan to a Spanish club, on loan he to Valencia or Villarreal or Betis. Do you know where he'd be amazing? Sevilla. Oh, without question. He would be amazing. Run right, he'd run riot. He'd run riot. He'd have a lovely time in that midfield. I mean, if you think, they signed Thomas Delaney from Dortmund last year, right? Now, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, I think, gives you everything Thomas Delaney does and more so and more, in a younger no, without frame. Question, without with, question. With way more dynamism. You know, I love yeah. Thomas Delaney. We've always been to be a crown of Thomas Delaney. But... He offers a particular type of thing. Right, yeah. 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 Um, can you imagine, like, him and Matt Rakitic playing in that midfield together? That's, oh, goodness. That'd be amazing. Heir to the throne, the young pretender. Anyway, he was really good in this game. Got a lovely goal. Opened the scoring for Chelsea. Before that, though, Kai Harvard's naughty, naughty, Kai. naughty. Dear, dear, dear. This was so bad. This dive was so bad. You may as well call it a fall from grace. <laughs> no one was fooled by that. It was just like watching like the battery run out on you know when someone's playing with like an air like a remote control plane. <laughs> the batteries just all of a sudden run out and it's just like and the energy the en- <laughs> you know what it look like you know what it look like you know like when a toddler's desperately trying to stay awake oh my god and they god. find then they're just oh overwhelmed they're just overwhelmed by tiredness they just collapse it's like that the toddler just falling asleep <laughs> so bad and the thing is it was completely unnecessary he was through he evaded Complete- the challenge he was through and I don't I mean I, I don't get why players do this in that situation anyway I understand the realities of players exaggerating contact. Yes. But I think when you're kind of through like that, I mean, to be honest, the thing was, his touch was so good. Mm. It was so good before that. I was just like, what are you doing, Kai? (laughs) He's he's got a little bit naughty this year. I bet he got teased about that afterwards. If I was in that dressing room, I'd be like, think of the donkeys. How, How do you think the donkeys feel? Yeah, what example are you setting is that to your donkeys? What, exactly. For those who don't know, Kai Harvest's uh, donkey, he's got a donkey sanctuary. <laughs> so just think of the donkeys, man. I, I, I just felt like saying to him, like, you do realise that VAR sees this. I know. This is the yeah, thing, like, man. Yeah. But yes, um, and so Mason Mount coming up big again, the decisive goal. Lovely, lovely Listen, finish. Layoff by Timo Werner. Timo Werner, who's been in fine form. But who's doing all the things that we knew Timo Werner could do in attack? And I've said this before, but I just really, really like that Chelsea front three. Um, that configuration is so good, which is very bad news for Lukaku because we need to talk about this, as you mentioned very mm. quickly. Lukaku with a really poor miss towards the end of the game. It was 2-0. The game was done by then. But Seb Stafford-Law put it so well. Seb Stafford-Law of the TIFO Parish. Excellent podcast. Excellent writer. Yeah, superb writer. Good friend. Fantastic goalkeeper. <laughs> Seb said, he said this thing about, that's the kind of chance you miss when you know things aren't going to work out at the club. Ooh. And it was one, that, I know what he meant, it was like a symptomatic moment. It was like, it was that miss where you're like, nothing's going right. Like he missed that chance against Real Madrid, which was mm. crucial. Looking what they did in the second leg, looking what they were capable of, because Chelsea have twice been to the Bernabeu, but, well, not the Bernabeu because they were playing a different stadium that time. They've twice been to play Real Madrid, the Champions mm-hmm. League, in the last couple of years, and they've been completely unintimidated, unbothered. Yeah. If Lukaku scores that header in the first leg, I think Chelsea can well go through. It's that pivotal. And well, then yeah, I mean, he yeah. misses this chance. He misses this chance late in this game. And then he's really unlucky in the Carabao Cup final with the offside. Mm. Glorious finish. And oh, it's just God, like, yeah. That this man, yeah, exactly. This man is not lucky. This man is, Lukaku has not just lost his bearings. He's lost his luck. Mm. 
that I think is the final cruel outcome of this. Yeah, I mean, I think Chelsea can be a difficult place for a number nine to go through to and completely succeed. I mean, we've seen a number of number nines go to Chelsea over the last decade. It's a really struggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even before that, we watched a lot of Romelu Lukaku at Inter and we saw him become genuinely unlocked as a consistent problem of a striker for opposition Mm. and different types of opposition. When he came to Chelsea, we thought, this is going to be amazing. I'm not entirely surprised that it hasn't maybe been as unbelievable as we expected because we really had super, super high hopes for that. The fact that it's not even probably been 50% of the success that we expected is a surprise. Yes. When you're not scoring goals in a rhythm like Lukaku was at Inter, there's maybe an added element of decision-making that goes in there that maybe slows you down like a tenth of a second. Mm. It's it's like having writer's block, essentially. It's the same thing. You talked to Ian about it. Striker's block, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if you saw Lukaku come back next season as a Chelsea player and really turn it around and be amazing. Mm. But I think it's quite hard to play. It can be quite hard to play yourself into form at a crucial part of the it season. It is because with that, with £97 million on you, right? Mm. And it's that, that fee is a challenge. But then also it's the fact that like, beyond that, you play Real Madrid and you're not being started. If you arrive for that amount of money, a record signing for Chelsea, and you're playing Real Madrid, the personal pride, the personal humiliation of not being picked as a starting striker, that's painful. Mm. That's not a thing people comment on public, particularly during their careers, but that's a painful thing to experience. And you go there and he looks at that, you know, he'll look at those starting players and be like, I'm better than that person or that person. Well, he might feel that, but it's, it's about chemistry. And unfortunately, the Chelsea team Unlike almost any other team, if those teams in the top three, you know, like Liverpool, Chelsea, Manchester City, the Chelsea team is the most dependent upon chemistry, I would say, of all of them. You could put him in Liverpool, and Liverpool's interesting. Liverpool's like a team that's in segments, right? Segments, at so back four, the midfield segment, and the front. Three. And that's not a criticism. I mean, that's saying just like that, a, that Liverpool side is a chemistry overload. You can, you can plug, you, yeah, you can plug, you can plug Lukaku into that in the middle of those two f- f- wide forwards. And it can work. You can plug Lukaku actually in Manchester City and it can kind of work. Maybe, but we thought that you could do that with Chelsea though. Uh, I don't, the the problem with Chelsea is they rely a lot more on the combination play and the build-up and the touch and the hold-up play. And that is where Lukaku really struggled. I did not realise he would struggle as much with the hold-up play, but Tuchel said it really quite scathingly. When they played City that time and he was losing a lot of possession unforced errors in mm. possession, like heavy touches. And Tuchel was like, this isn't, this isn't good enough. Like I need the ball to stick. And so he basically was like, I'd rather have a player who's not as prolific over the course of their career, but where it sticks so I can build. The thing is, unfortunately, like now that Havertz is becoming prolific, he's becoming the complete striker. That, and this is, this is my one thing, my one fear for Lukaku was kind of like, I always felt that Havertz had this evolution in him, which I think is bad news. I and mean, we haven't talked the other Chelsea forwards. But yeah, so Chelsea through to the final to face Liverpool. It's a repeat of the League Cup final and Klopp versus Tuchel again. I'm hyped for it. What a final that's going to be. Absolutely. Let's do some quick shout outs for the, the Premier League before we bounce. Brighton got another unbelievable result, beating Spurs 1-0. Trossard with the late winner to make it, what's that, two wins in North London in a week for Brighton. Having a great old time. Two games in North London, 
two wins. And before that, their previous win hadn't been... Well, did they, they even won, leave town? They won, they won away at not Watford. Their last three wins. <laughs> Watford away, Arsenal away, Spurs away. Before that, their last win in the Premier League was Everton in, at the beginning of January. Just working their way across the London overground. Unbelievable result. Southampton beat Arsenal 1-0 at St Mary's. Arsenal won a dreadful run of four, man. What's going on there? No one wants to finish top four, apart from Man United, maybe, who are clawing their way back into the race. Yes. Cristiano yes, Ronaldo, they... hat trick. After Man United had gone 2-0 up and were cruising, basically. Then allowed Norwich to make it interesting. Yeah, and then Cristiano Ronaldo with the free kick. It's his first in a while. Wanna, as a Man United fan, Musa, what do you want to... I'm not tempting fate. I feel like it's just weird to talk about our clubs at the moment because I think like Arsenal, for example, played okay, should have put the chances away, didn't. And basically it's the same thing that we discussed last week. Mm. Arsenal have to work really hard to score. You don't have to work super hard to score against them. And that's kind of exactly what happened in Southam- against Southampton. Interestingly though, before the game, I texted Southampton Rob and said, 2-0 Southampton, I think. And he was just like, no, no, don't be silly. How can you even think that? I'm paraphrasing. But he was really <laughs> like, no, no. And I texted him afterwards being like, you don't know ball. <laughs> no, I didn't. I texted him saying, oh, nearly, nearly got it right. It's very, very easy. In this race, this is the, this is the top four. It's very easy to sort of like write off your team's chances. It was interesting when Spurs lost to Brighton. The talk went to kind of, oh my God, typical Spurs. Very quickly, I was like, hang on a minute. You've had some outstanding results. Like, nah, they're still- Brighton just shut things down. Give Brighton credit. Yeah. You know, this week in the Premier League, for example. There's a lot left in this. Yeah, there's a lot left in this. Arsenal go to Chelsea. Manchester United go to Liverpool. And then next week, Spurs go to Brentford. Arsenal host Manchester United. Manchester United then play Chelsea. There's loads of games going on and there's a North London derby coming up as well. Arsenal still got to go to West Ham. Brentford go to Manchester United. They're in, what, they've just had three straight wins in the Premier League. They beat Watford on, on, on the weekend. They've won five of their last six in the Premier League now, Brentford. Damn. Amazing turnaround. What a run. On Sunday... Uh, West Ham drew with Burnley 1-1. One, one. It was a horrible, horrible injury to Ashley Westwood in this game. Just absolutely horrible. Um, so all, I can, all we can say is that we just hope he has a strong, strong recovery. Um, one thing we haven't discussed in relation to Burnley as well, um, the sacking of Sean Dyche. We Yeah. Wow. Which is... That kind of, yeah, that, that kind of happened in between um, episodes, but we'll talk about that, I'm sure, just over time in terms of what it presents. But just very quickly here, I was surprised by how sad I was at this. Really? But I'm not, I'm not, no, I, don't, I don't, you know, I don't support Burnley. You know, I've watched now and again, but I was, I always thought I'd be disappointed if and when the second happened. But I remember thinking, I don't know if people understand just how much of that of Burnley's success was down to Dyche. Like without Sean Dyche, that team is not, doesn't get to the Premier League, doesn't stay there, doesn't have as many decisive victories. I don't think they understand what they've done. I don't think they understand. I don't think the owners understand what they've done. I don't think they understand what they've done to their investment, actually. I mean, it's weird because they've stuck with Dyche before when they've gone down and they've come back up. And right. I know that maybe that, you know, they, Norwich did the same thing with Daniel Farker and then made the change, but they're not in a better position for it, really. Mm. You know, there's still a lot of football to play. Like Roy Hodgson said something really interesting afterwards. He said, you know, there's still 18 points left to play for. You know, I think it is, and they might well still up. They might, they might still stay up. I mean, if you look at that table, Everton can easily still go down. Yeah. I think the thing I would say with Burnley is whoever they appoint now, they need to spend a lot more money because they need to rely less on the coach to do the work. Yeah. Sean Dyche kept Burnley up. 
because he absolutely maximised every single thing in relation to the squad at his disposal. So the next coach, you're just not going to get someone else that's going to manage those players to that level. You just need to like just spend more money mm. actually alongside that. I mean, but a good point for them, yeah. uh, West Ham. Uh, going really to goal up as well. So Newcastle, injury time winner for Bruno Gamarish. Two goals for him. They beat Leicester 2-1. He is such a marquee signing. What a signing. Yeah, he's a serious, serious footballer. Oh my yeah. God. Uh, Newcastle are level on points with Palace now. Obviously, Palace have got a game in hand. But uh, they're above Villa. Villa also have a game in hand. Shall we get out of it? Let's do it. All right, we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well. Obviously, getting vaccinated if you can, get that boost if you can. Don't forget to check Wright's house on Wednesday. Stadio will be back later in the week. There'll be a little rejig schedule next week. We'll let you know about that. And uh, Stadio Actual's playing on Spotify. Speaking of which, playing out on Take a Little Trip by Patrick Cowley. Anything you want to add me, Sotokonga? Nothing further. <laughs> Lovely. Much love, everyone. We'll be back on Thursday. See you then. <laughs>